everybody and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here and I'm joined by Don as usual. And today we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite subject, sleep. Sleep is something that Don in particular has had some problems with lately, especially, but like throughout his life. And I've had some issues with like insomnia and stuff when I was younger. And uh, I don't know, sleep is like a, it's a very mundane topic, but it's also kind of an interesting thing, especially like dreams. That's something that's always been pretty interesting to me and kind of like a, a weird thing that happens to us that, uh, I don't know, there's there's a lot to be explored there, I think. Uh, Islam actually has a lot to say about dreaming and sleeping and stuff that is a little bit different than the way that we tend to think about it these days. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Don, uh What's been going on? I know you've been having a lot of insomnia lately and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's just uh, it's like an ongoing thing. It's it's always happened uh, throughout my sort of like adult life. I just uh, I have a lot of I, I always call it getting my days flipped or something like that kind of thing. You know, where yeah. like sometimes I uh, you know I'll, I'll fall asleep at like six a.m. or seven a.m. and then sleep through the day and then find it hard to like get back on a schedule um, and that happened when I was like in things too. Like if I had, uh, sometimes if I was like working or like if I had, uh, if I was in school, that would happen a lot too. And it's hard for me to sort of organize my days around that kind of stuff. Cause it just happens a lot. And, you know, I guess people like the, the, the flippant kind of thing to that is to say, well, yeah, but if the consequences were enough, maybe you wouldn't do that kind of thing. But it, the, the, the kind of scary part is that it's not, uh, that is not really, panned out in terms of uh you know like things that are like consequential to me or that i really care about uh because of like anxiety and stuff and kind of compound and uh yeah so i mean it's it's during quarantine it's kind of easy to you know not have much of uh, going on anyway so it's i i can see how that that does affect it to some extent but um i also have like just you know health issues that impact that as well which is uh you know one big thing is that like I feel like I have to nap every day for about two or three hours and during like the afternoon or usually, I mean, it's, it's in the afternoon if that's how it works. But, and I think that is uh, caused by uh, my medications basically. So yeah, that that is something that I, I mean, you would think that because uh, it has something to do, like I, I thought it had something to do with blood sugar or something, but I've been tested for that kind of stuff like diabetes and, all that kind of thing. And, um, that doesn't really come up in the blood work at all. Um, so I feel like it's something to do with the serotonin levels in my brain or something like that. I don't know, but I get to this point where, um, you know, I'm just walking around doing my thing during the day. And then I get to a point where maybe like 3 PM or something where, um, I get tired and tired to the point where like, I can't really think straight. Like I can't really think about what I'm doing or anything like that. Um, and then just have to sleep kind of thing so that's made things hard before in the past for a long time uh because number one i had no idea what was going on i didn't understand why i was getting tired suddenly and uh, i might get like mad at myself for sleeping instead of doing something or you know like uh it felt like uh it took a long time to just accept that like it's a health problem that i have and it's hard to sort of deal with but you know Mm -hmm. uh, it makes it hard to like say go into like town for the day or something and then you know, because at some point I might just have to sleep, you know, and or right. I might just get so tired that I feel like I can't really interact with people or do anything. So, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, recently what's happened is too is that like some days like I just uh, I have like a, you know, like a thing where like I kind of 
focus on something and it's almost like tunneling or something. It's just I get stuck into a rut kind of thing with whatever I'm doing. Like uh, like if I'm on my phone or posting or whatever kind of thing. It's it's interesting because I only have like a few hours a day where I feel like alert, you know, like mm-hmm. I, like fully like fully like okay i'm i'm ready to do stuff i'm gonna be eager to like go out there and do stuff kind of thing um and when it's not the case i often feel like just tired and like sort of a bit out of it and if in that case uh just relaxing and doing something that i don't have to think about much which is like posting for me like just talking to people online or something um but then what happens is that it's hard for me to like get out of that stage of thinking kind of thing you know like i'll just be talking to people and uh, it'll be like five hours go by or something like that kind of thing you know like it's like just a long period of time of doing that uh, and it's hard to like break out of that it's like OCD or something or you know like just hard to break out of that thing now I don't think like I think a lot of those things are very common in general I just feel like I'm probably on the extreme end for a lot of them you know yeah I can relate Um, to some of that like for me like if if I'm feeling like low energy during the day or something and I just kind of don't get things going and i start like playing a game on the computer or something like that if i'm I'm just like not kind of getting over that hump it's it just doesn't happen like i'll physically feel the same way for the rest of the day like i just never take off it's sort of like um like when you wake up and it's cold and you don't want to get out of bed because it's like warm Mm -hmm. and comfortable and stuff it's sort of like that but it just lasts the whole day you know exactly yeah and uh i i mean it'll get you know I, it's not just tiredness it's also like uh, i almost like freeze in place kind of thing where i can't uh like my legs will fall asleep or something like that kind of thing where i'm kind of like in a weird awkward sitting position or something and i just hold that position for hours or something like that kind of thing it's like uh it, it kind of just becomes like a i don't know like a, a sort of like almost paralysis or something like that i just can't get myself to do anything um, now I should say in the positive thing that this has gotten a lot better over the last five, 10 years, like about 10 years ago or something, I was a lot worse about this kind of stuff because number one, I had no idea what was going on. Number two, I didn't know how to regulate it at all. Like I mm-hmm. didn't know what things I needed to do at different times to try to break the different habits or try to break, break certain thinkings and stuff. And, you know, like, uh, I have a, I commonly have like this thing with insomnia where like I can't, uh, I feel like falling asleep is somehow like almost dying or something. Like I just, I start (laughs) to feel like I can't fall asleep because it's like surrender to nothingness or something, you know? And, uh, it starts to like, I start to get like almost paranoid thinking about it and start to really upset me. Uh, that still happens from time to time, but it's a lot easier for me to go, Oh no, no, look, you know, you can look at the evidence and, you know, you've fallen asleep many times and it's been fine or whatever, you know, like you can start to like think in probability terms too. You can be like, okay, well, uh, you know, what's the chance that you would actually die or something, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Like, sure. Uh, and it kind of like irons it out a bit. Um, but yeah, so it's, I don't know, it's a strange, uh, it's a strange thing, but you know, the last day or two I've gotten out of the swing of it kind of thing with, uh, you know, I had like a normal sleep at night and I, you know, felt good during the day and stuff and got some stuff done. But 
Yeah, it's hard to like, uh, it's hard to plan around it and hard to plan like what you're going to do. I don't know. I, I, people always say like, well, if you had like, if you had to dig ditches or something, then it would be different kind of thing, you know, like your body would just adjust or something. And I don't, I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of people that just get eaten up by the sort of regime of time or whatever that we set up, what kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of people that just don't, you know, they fall through the cracks completely. I don't think it's like a thing of like, self-discipline or something like that so yeah yeah uh i mean it's also possible that some there's some element of that that's true but it may not be enough to overcome these other factors you know like there's a lot of things at play Um, yeah so like when you get tired like that it does it feel the same as like if you just like stayed up like all night like and then you get tired like is it the same sort of feeling or is it different somehow um yeah, no, it, it feels different. I mean, it, it feels, uh, I guess it's similar, but like, uh, it used to be, it used to feel like more like sudden. I feel like it's evened out. It might, I mean, I, at some level, I feel like it has to have something to do with blood sugar or something like that kind of thing or something around that. Like there's gotta be some physical cause to it, obviously, other than just like the mental side, but it does also correlate with like, uh, irritation and things like that, like anxiety. Yeah. I, I have noticed like when, when you are talking about, you know, like things like anxiety for you being higher than normal and stuff like that, that it does seem like you have more problems with this stuff. Yeah. And that's a, that was obviously a problem with stuff like going to school and stuff because, you know, I might sit through a class for an hour or so and then feel like I'm at my limit of just anxiety from just feeling like I'm in a panic situation or something like that there. And, uh, after that, I mean, I just want to go to sleep, you know, like I just, uh, I feel mm. like totally exhausted. That's why like academia is, that's what, probably the, the central reason why I can't really hack that kind of thing. Cause it's like, you know, you got to be able to sit in a seminar for three hours and be alert the whole time, at least theoretically, you know, and then, uh, to feel like you're at your limit at one hour and then you have to go to sleep is not gonna, you know, you can't do that as like a professor or something like that kind of thing, you know? So, yeah. I mean, uh, and it's hard because it's hard to show that, I think, like, it's hard to think of how that compares to other things, you know? Because, like, at some level for, like, policy or for accommodations or anything like that for, like, a job or something, you know, being, like, I sleep a lot and randomly sleep sometimes and getting anxious quickly and stuff like that, it's harder to accommodate as an employer or something like that than it is for something that's more stable or at least, like, episodic or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard for me to like think of how I would approach people and be like, well, theoretically, if I worked a few hours a week, <laughs> you know, uh, I could do a job for you guys or something. And, but you have to kind of deal with all this kind of stuff. It's like, it's just not, you know, it, the cost to them in, in terms of return they would get, it's hard. So that's why I think that like something like, uh, writing and stuff sometimes fits because, you know, I can just kind of shoot something off and make a few bucks off it or something. So, but yeah. I do think that like, I do think it is one of those things where it's like, it's not, it's not, it's not inevitable. That would be the result though. I do think that like if things become more accommodating in different ways and I find kind of like a great fit on something, I feel like I could, I could theoretically eventually have a job that's just like a relatively normal kind of job or something like that wouldn't be impossible. It's just that there's so many things that would have to work out the exact right way kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, you'd need like a little mini fridge full of five hour energy <laughs> to keep you up. Yeah. 
Well, that was the thing too. You got to think that like for, uh, so I'm at like two months now without uh, any pop. Right? Oh, right. Any, yeah. Uh, Coke Zero or anything like that. Yeah, off the caffeine. So I, yeah, for many, many years, that's how I tried to manage things was to uh, just constantly drink caffeine to try to give myself a little bit of a boost uh, in focus and stuff. And uh, it worked. I mean, it, it's one of those things where it works at any given second it feels like but then the overall health effect is negative. Yeah. Um, so it was probably a good idea that uh, um, I did that. Although, I mean, one of the negative outcomes of that, uh, not negative, but like just a fact kind of thing that has come true is that like uh, it turns out that like that wasn't causing at least uh, directly all of the insomnia or something like that kind of thing. Because, you know, if you're drinking a bunch of pop in a row and then you're like uh, can't sleep or something like that, it's easy to blame it on the pot, but if it's not, you know, if that's not what is happening, then there's got to be other things at play. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to have problems with insomnia when I was younger, like early 20s or so. And uh, it has kind of just gone away. Like I, now I have no problem falling asleep. And I think a lot of that was due to just like kind of a general anxiety and becoming kind of just getting over that kind of stuff and i think you know that's a different situation i think but like i don't know i like my mind used to race at night it would be hard for me to like switch off and go into sleep mode and stuff and now my mind is always off so it's very easy to fall asleep (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um for sure but Yeah. yeah like all the different you know, people have all these different things that work for them and they're always recommending like, oh, this this is the the one thing that works and stuff. But for me, nothing ever worked. Like even some of the I have always like any drug that is basically any drug uh, has always kept me up until it's kind of like run through my system and I don't feel it anymore. Like people talk about like drinking to until they pass out or whatever whenever i drank i could never fall asleep if i could feel the alcohol in my system it would have to kind of like i would just be up for hours just like even if i was trying to sleep just laying in bed for whatever reason so like any drugs people would recommend for that like uh benadryl i remember trying people some people were really big on that and that was the worst like that just kept me up all night and uh yeah yeah, it was, it was just like that for everything, and the only thing that ever made a lick of difference was melatonin supplements. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of, like, figure that that's because it's, like, a more of, like, a natural thing in the sense of, like, that's what your body produces to make you go to sleep. So I kind of figure, like, mm-hmm. that was what was doing it. But, uh, yeah, now, now I, uh, if, if anything, my only problem is that, like, I will just avoid going to sleep. I'll just stay up too yeah. late because I'm just like not using enough energy through the day that I don't end up feeling tired, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's that's part of the reason why I need to start exercising and stuff is that I think that will help. Uh, I, I mean, it does. When I, when I do exercise, it's usually easier to fall asleep and stuff. So yeah, um, I think that's that's part of it is that if you're just kind of lounging around, it's uh, easy to sleep a lot, and it's also easy just to not fall asleep yet. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the past few days, I've felt like I've gotten really good rest, and uh, I, I think it has something to do with, like, so normally Tabs and I have 
separate beds because I find it, I, I get really hot like when I'm sleeping. So, and then if I'm too warm, like I, I can't fall asleep, like it's really uncomfortable for me. So we usually sleep, uh, sleep separately, but now it's so cold that we actually want to sleep together because, it, you know, so we can just like stay warm. And I've fell like just fall asleep just fine. And I wake up feeling much more rested than I have been for whatever reason. I think mm-hmm. that I'm not sure it might also have to do like maybe I'm not moving around in the bed as much at night like I tend to kind of like toss and turn a little bit and I think I'm not mm-hmm. doing that um so maybe that is also helping or whatever but I don't know I I just thought it's kind of it's it's weird like the things that kind of make you feel rested and, and and things that don't you know like sometimes it doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense and it seems like we're so fragile you know like these like yeah. sleep seems so important and then it for whatever reason it can just be so difficult yeah uh yeah i think there's a lot of strange factors like that that play into it i mean you've been complaining about your mattress and stuff too i guess yeah are you you're looking at maybe replacing it tomorrow yes tomorrow we are gonna drive out to this uh this like little store it's like a little mom and pop mattress store and uh they seem to have a i don't know they I, i have a very good impression based on what the mattress nerds online have to say about it. Apparently there's like this community of like mattress enthusiasts. Yeah. And uh, they say this one place here in Illinois is one of the best in the country. And uh, uh, the the prices are good and I'm going to check out the mattresses, you know, just lay on them for a little bit. It's one of those things where it's like, I figure you can't really know. You have to kind of like sleep on it for like a month and then you'll know if it's good or not. But uh-huh. Uh, you know the the price is right, and um, I don't know. I I just have a good feeling based on what I've read about them and stuff, and I I'm happy to like support like a you know one of these like local producers sort of a thing instead of like some big brand. I f- I figure that those bigger brands are the ones that are more likely to be ripping me off on something that's kind of BS. So mm-hmm. yeah, looking yeah. forward to it. I mean, if anything, it's just a new mattress, so that's probably going to be. <laughs> That's probably going to be better than what yeah. I have just for for uh, that reason alone. Do you think you'll get a bigger one or um I'll probably stick with the same size. I got a a full size and that's okay. that's big enough, I think. King is a little okay. bit too much. Uh it's a it, like I don't see the benefit of it over like a queen or a full. Full and queen are pretty much the same, aren't they? Like Okay. So I didn't know that. I thought that queen was a bit bigger. Maybe it's a little bigger, but I think they're pretty close. I don't know. I guess I'll see tomorrow. But uh, King has always seemed like a little bit ridiculous. And uh, then you get the disadvantages of like having to get it into the apartment and how much room it takes up in the room and all that kind of stuff. So, Yeah. I've got like two mattresses that I use. One's twin, I think, and one is uh, queen or something like that. And uh, the queen is much more comfortable for me, I find. Uh, the, the twin or like I think it's either twin or full size or something like that, but it's just maybe twin. Yeah, um, is uh, feels tiny. I don't know. Yeah, especially for me. I don't know. I I so. used to sleep on a twin for a good while, and then I got the, when I got this one, I was like, I'll get the bigger one, and uh, I I can't sleep on a twin anymore. It just yeah, I feel like I'm exactly. falling off yeah. of it. Sure, I'll have to think about this kind of stuff when I move out. So eventually, I don't know kind of think of all the you know get like a giant 
rotating bed or something. So, um, <laughs> have you ever, uh, checked out those like Japanese mats that you sleep on the floor, that whole thing? Oh yeah. No, I haven't. No. Some people really love it. They swear by it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Not I feel like me. it would cause depression. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it would. I think I think if I was sleeping on the floor, I'd be like, "This is not fun." I don't know. Um, I think you have to have a certain level of like weeb going on with you to to really appreciate it. Like if if that's your thing and you you uh, you know you really like it because of that, then fine. But if not, it just it feels yeah, it feels stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have any like recurring dreams or anything like that? I barely dream. I I really really rarely remember my dreams anymore. And uh, oh, really? I used to dream pretty vividly, but like for years I just have not really uh dreamed. So, hmm. no, I can't say that. And I've never had recurring dreams. Like that's never been a thing. Oh, actually that's not true. When I was younger, I used to have this recurring like I don't even know if it was a dream, like, because it would kind of start to happen when I was like still awake, sort of a thing. But it it was this, uh, it, it was less like of a like of a dream and more of like this sensation, this like feeling that I would get. Of uh, it was really weird. It was like a feeling of. Uh, it's hard to describe. I the way I conceptualized it in my head was that I was like tied to a rocket or something like that. So it's like I was being forced like there was some force pushing me forward that was a a very powerful force like a rocket Mm -hmm. right but at the same time like i was like stuck and i couldn't move and i couldn't uh i I don't know it it was uh it was extremely uncomfortable and, and frightening when i was young like i was i was like a little kid when i first started experiencing this thing and it would uh i i remember waking up from it a few times and um i think I, I remember my parents rushing into the bedroom because i was probably like you know like screaming or something i i you know i don't yeah. really remember but um i could never really communicate exactly what it was that i was experiencing and stuff i don't know and that has just gone away but i i think that also had to do with like anxiety or something like that like i think sure. it was some kind of it was related to that Maybe not purely yeah. like a manifestation of those feelings or something, but it, it was something like that. And uh, I, yeah, I looked like, around on the internet one day trying to figure out, like, does this happen to anyone else kind of a thing? And it seems like some people were talking about something that seemed kind of similar, like like uh, related to sleep paralysis. But mm-hmm. it wasn't yeah. quite like that because I wasn't physically paralyzed. It was just like once I was up, I could I could move, you know, but it was just the mm-hmm. feeling that I couldn't when i was experiencing that i don't know Hmm. it's very hard to describe yeah when i was a uh, kid i I had uh i would have like sort of that sort of waking dream or something or like i would also fall asleep and like you know i I would be kind of like in between sometimes too or whatever and uh, i'd be convinced that like aliens were around me and stuff like that (laughs) and like i'd have like uh i i like would see them going into the basement or something or i would see them around me and stuff or whatever and uh it was very strange because it was just like a dream or something but it felt like real so i was like oh man this is scary i I don't know that was that was a early sort of thing of that sort of like anxiety and stuff where like it affected me that way um 
Yeah, recently I've been having really annoying dreams. Like just really, I wake up and I'm so like pissed off at them. Kind of thing is that like uh, what happens is that in the dream I'm like back in school or something like that, you know, and I'm taking uh, in university usually, and then uh, taking like uh, math courses. And in the dream, I already have my master's, and there's some reason why I'm taking the classes, but I don't need to, kind of thing. It's like I'm in a program and I'm in a full time program, but there's some reason why like I I'm just taking the courses, but uh, so you can inherit really your dad's good. company, get your GED. Yeah, and uh, in the dream, I'm always like failing them badly. And I have to like go around talking to different people about like how I'm failing out and uh, trying to like navigate that. And while we're trying to remind myself, I'm like, no, 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 don't worry about it. You already have your masters and stuff. And then I wake up and I'm like, that just that just ruined my night. Why would I? <laughs> why would I dream about not being good at math for for hours <laughs> or whatever? You know, like every few nights or something like that. So it's just been really bothering me. But yeah. Um, I mean, there's obviously like, you know, dream analysis stuff. It's not that hard to do because I've had those motions a lot in the past in different ways of like, you know, doing badly in courses or, you know, just uh, having problems and stuff. So I can kind of see where it all comes from and different anxieties about getting work done and all that kind of stuff. But like uh, very, very annoying. I don't know. I used to dream about doing like just chores and nothing would it would it would be very realistic it would just be like me folding laundry and there's there would be nothing remarkable about it and that would be my dream maybe that's why i don't remember my dreams anymore they've gotten so mundane i don't even remember them yeah just like (laughs) really i've had very strange dreams too that's not like the only kind of dream that i've had but those and for some reason those would often stick out as being like more um vivid Maybe because mm-hmm. they're like more real or something. I don't know. Because a lot of the dreams I used to have would not even be like describable. It would be very like um, like amorphous and just kind of like, I don't even know, like just a, a, like a swirl of colors or something. It's not even really that, but it's, it wouldn't really have any substance in the sense of like there weren't like, a, there wasn't a place or characters or even mm-hmm. like a definable like, emotion or anything going on it would just be like a just this strange thing i don't know mm-hmm. so dream analysis in islam and stuff you do want to say some yeah. of the stuff that you you're I, kind of bringing up that I, like it's a bit different than our sort of western sure i, I feel like we've time. maybe talked about this before i feel now that i'm just briefly yeah yeah okay so, uh, actually, one of the things you were talking about before about, like, this fear you have or uh, this anxiety you have about, like, falling asleep and how it's kind of like a death thing, you know? And I think a lot of people probably thought of that Nas lyric, you know, I never sleep because yeah. sleep is a cousin of death. That's actually yeah. a Hadith, I think. I think that comes oh, really? from Hadith, yeah. I know I know. it's also sleep is the brother of death is uh, from um, Conrad or something like that oh yeah so so but sleep is a cousin that might be a hadith i guess you said maybe maybe i mean the thing is sometimes there's these sayings that become popularized around the world and you know like a lot of things get kind of just written up as hadith you know and i i don't know what the like how authentic 
like that, that would be if it is a hadith you know and i could be misremembering yeah. it but um anyway yeah like that the, there is a just like the ideas about sleeping and dreaming in islam are kind of interesting there is the uh the idea that when you sleep god takes your soul up and when you wake up he puts it back and for people who die in their sleep obviously he's not putting it back you know so in mm-hmm. that way it is it is exactly like death like you basically are dying and your you know your experiences uh of dreaming and stuff are real in a sense like they are you you are experiencing this kind of other dimension of reality you know and uh it's not just like you know we kind of think about it in this like scientific kind of way of like oh it's your brain processing you know thoughts and memories and stuff or you know it's just like this random jumble of of uh things that your brain is doing or something like that but uh mm-hmm. in like a traditional <clears throat> in a traditional islamic theology or cosmology it's a uh, it's kind of like um a glimpse into what maybe the afterlife is like or maybe the the barzakh like the the place that you exist in after you die and before the day of judgment, um, kind of like a existence without the physical world, you know, your, your soul is taken up and it exists in like this other dimension. And it's not the same as when you, it's your soul and your body working together in, in this world. So, mm-hmm. so that's, uh, that's interesting to me. Um, and uh, dream interpretation is a, kind of a big deal in the Muslim world. And uh, I, I read a very interesting book about it. It was like an anthropological study done in Egypt about dream interpreters. And it's something that has kind of waned a little bit in uh, the past couple hundred years, especially with the advent of like psychoanalysis and Freudian kind of thinking and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. These kinds of ideas have sort of lost some of their currency and people especially like in the middle and upper classes are more interested in like therapy and psychologists and stuff like that sure less interested in like just going to dream interpreters but um yeah there's a a very like deep and um an expansive history of of dream interpretation in the muslim world uh I, i don't know all that much about it i don't know how similar or dissimilar it is to western dream interpretation like i don't really know what the situation was in like medieval europe or whatever but Mm -hmm. uh the things i do know about it is that like the first interpretation that you get of your dream is the one that is true so Mm -hmm. people would yeah you did you did mention this on the other one too i remember that yeah Mm. i remember you were talking about that kind of stuff so um yeah i find that interesting yeah yeah, it's it's interesting to me because it's sort of uh, it, it's like you know people will be very deliberate and careful about who they go to for their interpretation because uh, they they know that whoever they go to it's going to tell them whatever it means and that will be true and it's kind of interesting in this sort of like uh, it's almost like a Schrodinger's cat kind of a thing or something. It's like once you 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 don't know what the dream means and you know until you like open that box up kind of a thing Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's sort of like the observer affects the outcome sort of a yeah a quantum kind of a thing going on there Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's 
it, dreaming is just weird to me. Uh, I, I now I'm remembering that episode a little bit more. I think I talked about how the prophet said that the closest thing to like the experience of being a prophet of like receiving revelation and and all that kind of stuff is that we have like as as normal people is uh is dreaming. And I think mm-hmm. he said that dreaming is like one sixty fourth of prophethood or of prophecy and that uh prior to being a prophet he had two months straight of what's called true dreams where he would dream something very vividly and specifically during the night and the next day it would all come true and that would happen every single day for two months and that was leading up to this revelation that occurred during his like meditation in the caves and stuff so yeah it's kind of interesting um there's also stuff about like where dreams come from. So there's true dreams, which are from God. There are false dreams, which are from Shaitan, this, uh, Satan, you know, the devil. Mm-hmm. And then there are other dreams, which are just from your ego. So there is like kind of that idea that we have about dreams as being like this just jumble of kind of pseudo random kind of stuff that our brain creates. That's a part of the traditional Islamic thinking about dreams is that most of them are just that but there are dreams that are specifically like an evil kind of a thing like there's somehow jinn or or satan or or whatever has put these in there to frighten you to make you do bad things to kind of like you know to shake you up and then there are other ones Mm -hmm. that are sort of like the reverse of that where it's god and angels trying to help you and to show you things and stuff like that so the way you can tell the difference is a true dream is uh, it would always put you towards good behaviors and uh, a bad dream is something that would always put you towards bad behaviors. So um, so that's the, that's like the basic idea about it. And then there's also some, uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff about seeing the prophet in your dreams and that if you see the prophet in your dreams, that that, that is really him like he has actually visited you um that that it's impossible for a jinn or for your own mind to like create a fake manifestation of the prophet in your dreams that that when he appears it's true whatever he says is uh is true now what's what's odd about this is that some people will you know through history have come up with like weird things like oh the prophet told me i don't have to pray or something like that and then, mm-hmm. you know, the scholars have said, like, well, that wasn't true. So I'm not really sure how that works, because obviously, how did the prophet really appear? I, I think they say something like, well, that wasn't, he, did, he didn't actually appear to you. You must have, like, mistook that somehow. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so the, the mistake or the, you're at fault less than the actual prophet appearing or whatever. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, generally it's, it's a positive thing, obviously, when people see the prophet in their dreams, it's usually like a, something that makes them, it strengthens their faith or it's sort of some kind of like some advice that they wouldn't have taken otherwise. And it's, you know, they received some kind of like good words of advice or something somehow that way. And people mm-hmm. see their like shakes and stuff. So there's actually like Sufis especially have manage to like communicate with each other through dreams and stuff it's which is pretty bizarre i i don't really know what to make of all that i'm sure a lot of it is kind of just like woo woo nonsense but there's a 
I don't know. It, it, there's got to be. Um, I'm, I'm willing to accept that there's probably things that have occurred within dreams, especially with people who are like way up on like level 99 of like mysticism or whatever that <laughs> yeah. are doing things and able to like use their dreams in ways that you or I, or, or, you know, just some random person wouldn't be able to. And it would just seem completely like some kind of silly superpower fantasy thing. But, you know, I'm, I'm willing to accept that there's probably some kind of level beyond that, that people can actually do stuff. Cause there's like lucid dreaming, you know, I've had friends who've been able yeah. to do that. And that's pretty cool. And that's just like stoner idiots can do that. So what what can like actually practice mystics do, you know? Yeah. I mean, my, my, I, I have had where I do feel like I have some control in the dream ever so often. I usually get really angry for some reason that I know that I'm in a dream and I just start <laughs> punching everyone around me. But, uh, um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think that's, that's my initial reaction. And then trying to wake up but like uh yeah i mean i i I tend to know more about like the i don't really know much about like the christian view on dreams and stuff like that but like uh i know a bit more about like the psychoanalytic kind of side of thing where uh that kind of stuff was one reason why i didn't really read much freud at first because i was like or like related things because i just thought it was like silly kind of stuff and he has like very elaborate wordplay kind of things he always goes through like just yeah you know, person using a certain term and a thing and then going, ah, you mean this, that means this, that means this kind of thing, you know? And uh, that always seemed a bit kind of absurd to me because it's just like, you know, I don't know. It doesn't seem very psychological or medical kind of thing, really. It just, it's, it's just always sort of sounded weird. like horoscopes or something to me, like the same yeah, kind exactly. of level of yeah. validity yeah. or whatever. But, but I understand it more now that I know what, like, psychoanalysis uh psychoanalysis is as like a practice is because it's uh like the the reason why dreams are so important for that is that you know you learn the most from someone in terms of analysis from their mistakes in what they're saying kind of thing like their slip-ups uh their uh sort of errors confusions assumptions that they make that relate things that don't really seem related that kind of thing all the sort of uh, it you know you're you're basically getting them to talk for a long period of time it's almost like uh interrogation by a yeah. police officer or something like that where they just yeah. they just keep asking you questions until eventually you make a mistake and they can kind of hone in on that and then so that's really i think that the comparison is it's like you know talking to police officers it's like you know you get into this mode where you're talking about dreams dreams will help you make mistakes you know it's like talking about something that you feel less on guard about most of the time mm-hmm. so that you're like, Oh, I, I had this dream and it did this. And it's something that maybe you would never have said otherwise. It's like a way of getting around that almost. It's like getting you to talk about some thing that is still psychological. It's, it's still part of your sort of psychic makeup in some way, but it helps you reveal things about yourself that you wouldn't have otherwise kind of thing. So that makes sense to me that as like a strategy kind of thing, uh, and uh, Zizek has some funny things about that kind of stuff where um, he said stuff like, uh, you know, when the analysis sort of started, I guess, you know, there's this cliche that like, if you say a certain thing, then if you like, say, if you have like a woman in your dream, then it must be your mother or something like that. That's what that was like the cliche. And he said that patients now, because of all the cultural baggage around this kind of stuff, 
will be like, uh, now I dreamed of a woman and I know that must mean it's my mother or something like that. You know, like they'll, they'll, they kind of like come prepared to speak about the things in the way that they think that Freudian terms are supposed to be. And then he's like, that's how you know it's not about their mother or something like that kind of thing. It's like, I don't know, like a, it's kind of a funny, weird uh, situation where people are self-analyzing now to the point where it's uh, it adds a layer of confusion on top of things for the psychoanalyst. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I I find that kind of stuff kind of interesting, the, the whole dream analysis kind of thing. Uh, it's hard to sort of negotiate with in terms of like any sort of actual rigorousness or whatever, but like, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's part of the interesting thing about it is that it's uh, it's like this domain where we can't just easily penetrate it with like modern science and reduce it down to like brain chemicals and stuff like people kind of want to. It, it doesn't really that doesn't really get to the the actual like interesting parts of dreaming. You know, like if you can just explain it away as like oh, well, your brain is just doing this, like this part of your brain is more active at night because, you know, it seems to have, like, there's some kind of maintenance that goes on. It's like, I always thought of it as, like, defragmenting your brain, you know, like you used to do with your yeah, hard yeah. drive or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, that could be true. I'm not saying that that's, like, a lie or something, but that's not really what's interesting about it. It's like, why, it's more like the stuff that we produce in our dreams, like, what is that? And why is it the way that it is? And, um there seems to be connections between like the waking world and the dream world and stuff that is, uh, it, it, it doesn't seem like purely random, you know, like there's, it, it, like we maintain a sense of self and there's things that we see in dreams that we have in our, like even my boring dreams about doing chores and stuff like that's not, that's clearly not random. You know what I mean? Like that's my, yeah, th- those are my chores. Those were in my home. You know what I mean? So if it was random, it would be like all kinds of different stuff, you know, but it's all stuff that is uh, from my life. And like, why is that there and not something else? And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, uh, but there's not much you can say about it with like definitive evidence. And there's not like a, there's no solid methodology in the way that we have with like medical science or something to look at it. So. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it does make me feel like medical science is still at a very basic level or something like that kind of thing. I wonder if like in the future we'll be able to piece apart these things a bit easier. I don't know. I don't know how you would be able to, but maybe, I don't know, some sort of computer thing or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Create an AI that can like replicate dreams somehow. And then you can tell what's going on based on what is going on in the AI or something. Yeah. Just have like a million different little computers developing a, a dream state and you're like, oh, that matches what's going on in your brain. Let's see what's going on there. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like some Elon Musk thing. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else? I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. Not really. You have any tips for people dealing with insomnia, stuff like that? Um. Yeah. I mean, probably just... Uh, do things i guess mm-hmm. like just don't try to fight it directly just try to you know exercise eat right if you can stuff like that figure out ways of turning off your devices or whatever 
you know, I mean, it's pretty basic stuff, but that's just, you know, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I, I never really, uh, there wasn't like some trick that worked for me really either. So I don't have a lot of like good advice on that. I just kind of like mm-hmm. just worked out after a while. So, yeah. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that's just like a, a nice thing to hear that it's not something you necessarily have to live with the rest of your life. If that's something you're dealing with and you find pretty bad to deal with and, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. things, things just do go away sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you got to keep trying stuff, yeah. I guess. I'm not, not suggesting sure. to give up on those things. Yeah. Um, but anyway, should we jump into the questions? Okay, Don, for Catholics, laughing and smiling are sins. Sorry, Don. Your whole life you've been sending people straight to hell. After all, sorrow and resignation are the only true Christian paths to redemption. May God strike down all comedians. Um, actually, uh, Pope Francis has like a prayer, and I can't remember who it's from originally, but like uh, maybe St. Francis of Assisi, I don't know, John... I don't know, but, but like a, it's like a prayer uh, for a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He reads it every day in the morning. It's like that's cool. Just it's like basically like I should laugh at more things. Um, <laughs> I like and that. Uh, I think that's I think that's uh, he's been doing it for many years, I guess. And uh, I don't know. I think that's uh, probably a good practice, whatever. To yeah, pray for a sense of humor instead of trying to, uh, you know, like uh, be all glum all the time and stuff like that although there's probably a place for that i don't know i don't know there are a lot of sure. saints and stuff that just cry all the time and stuff i don't know like <laughs> i yeah. can kind of uh, understand that but yeah i think uh you go too far in either direction and it's uh you get a problem of like having too big an ego like you either take yourself too seriously or you don't take anyone else seriously to the point of which you're kind of like making everything about you, you know, like no one else matters except mm-hmm. me and my amusement at all this stuff that's happening around me kind of a thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like that prayer th- for a sense of humor. Yeah. I can get behind that. Uh, so someone asks, is it haram to eat pork in Minecraft? This is kind of like a, a meme in, uh, in Muslim Twitter and, people like not eating pork in minecraft and then being like oh i'm so righteous and saintly and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah um I, I would guess that you could do it because you're not actually eating it but i don't know I, i'm not gonna I'm not gonna risk judgment over making a bad fatwa or something like that over something silly like that yeah but plus i mean would you have to follow the rules for any other game to any other type of action right you can't play a game where you're a hitman or something or can't play call of duty and i don't know how you acquire pork in minecraft i've never played it but if it's through slaughtering a pig you would have to like do the halal slaughter which you probably can't do i mean i don't think i Mm -hmm. guess you can't like by definition you can't do that on a pig anyways but yeah is it immature to not want to date someone because they don't drink I mean, this really depends. I think, yeah. If if uh, I mean, if it's if it's not immature in your case, like I, I could see it being immature. Like you just want someone to just do all the stuff you like to do or whatever. Uh, but if it's not, and it's more like of a 
this is going to mean that they just our lifestyles are too different like that it's not going to work i think that's not immature but that reflects kind of like maybe you should reconsider some things if you are finding yourself at a place where you can't have a relationship with someone if they're not consuming a certain drug because you consume it that seems like that's not a good position to be in with that drug you know yeah i mean i guess i can get if you're like in your early 20s or something and you're partying a lot and you just want to be able to go to all the same parties and not just have them sitting there being like uh can we go now i kind of get that but like sure uh that there but i feel like that's pretty much uh the definition of immature at some level you know? right right like that's supposed to be that's supposed to be something you kind of get through and then kind of move on with your life eventually but and, and there's yeah, no problem with that you know it's sure. immature maybe but like that's where you at that's where you're at in life that's okay like that's you know. yeah yeah but like uh i can get that though um uh but yeah i don't know i uh I don't have that problem myself because uh, I uh, um, do not drink. So I solidarity send them my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also the case though, like not everyone who doesn't drink is like a, just like a bummer at a party. You know what I mean? Like yeah, people can, can be sober and still like not be like a drag. So yeah. Don't, but they won't jump off the roof into a pool or something like that. So <laughs> that's not that's not cool. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Is Richard Dawkins gay? He looks so gay. Uh, well, he's just British. That's kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Let's not be prejudiced against them. Uh, where they can hear us in public. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's gotta be hard being a gay guy in Britain. Just like constant false negatives everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, it, it's funny. I still see him ever so often pop up here and there, and uh, it's funny. It's one. This is one of my uh, prejudices online. Is that I'm like, if like a lot of the jokes have already become stale about someone, you know, like if they've already basically been through the ringer to some extent, I'm kind of like. I'm like, why are you still here? Like, yeah. yeah. As if, as if like, as if they don't have like a life of their own. I'm just kind of like, wait, why are you all around? Yeah. We already <laughs> talked about you. I don't know. Yeah. He needs to start getting into that. Like, remember when reality shows were having all these like, like celebs, like washed up celebs, like vanilla ice or whatever and stuff like that. I feel yeah. like he's at that stage. Like we need to get him sure. on some sort of like the bachelor show where he's like picking a wife or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. It'd be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to eat healthy. What fruits should I use to substitute sweets? I'm a big fan of bananas, by the way. I mean, bananas is a good option. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I mean, to be honest, almost any fruit is going to be sweet. And uh, one thing you can do is, like, cook them a little bit. And that will, like, caramelize the sugars in them and make them even sweeter. So I'm not sure exactly what you're trying to substitute here. Like, if you're making a dessert or if it's, like, just a snack kind of a thing. But, yeah, you could try that out. Like, uh, you know, if you're if you're baking something, like, use less sugar and use more fruit that you've cooked some somewhat and uh see how that goes 
but yeah, good for you. That's a, that's a good, I, yeah, I support this plan. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have nothing really to offer here. Maybe apples. I like apples. I don't know. I've been on a big apples kick lately. Been getting mm-hmm. honey crisp apples. Mm-hmm. I intermittently get hit with a few hours of total ennui, apathy, and ambivalence about going on living. I normally snap out of it if I think about dinner, but sometimes dinner isn't enough. What is to be done for those souls such as I? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I always promote, I don't know, maybe think about one thing you want to do or a thing that you're happy about doing or that could just have fun with or something i don't know like uh, i don't know i always try to I, tr- I try to snap myself out of thinking very short term or something like that you know like i hmm. i try to think of uh something that i'm looking forward to in general or something like that it can be something small but like you know the, the the point is that like you don't want black and white thinking a lot of the time you know where it's like nobody loves me nobody cares nobody whatever and stuff like that or like you know getting or like nothing makes me happy anymore, nothing, whatever. Because it's probably not true. It's just a way of saying this feeling to me is very important or something, you know? Yeah. It's just, you're just saying this is important to me, that I'm sad, this is important. But uh, the annoying reality is a lot of the time is that like, you might be like, I'm kind of annoyed by this part of my life or something, or I'm worried about this or something like that. And it's probably like a percentage amount, you know, it's not a hundred percent. And if it's not a hundred percent, then that really is something that you can kind of cling to, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, As far as like, I think what you said is really good advice for like self-talk or like how to kind of think through it. But like in terms of like things you can do, uh, I would suggest some sort of hobby or something like that, like have something going on in your life that is doesn't need to be productive it doesn't need to be significant you know but just something that like feels good to do that you enjoy doing and uh you know i know that's kind of easier said than done but um yeah i don't know i i it sounds like this could be the product of like being really bored or being lonely maybe just like not having people in your enough people in your life that kind of a thing and i think once you get some of that around you then a lot of these things tend to kind of be like weaker not saying they go away but they you know that kind of stuff helps yeah i think that you know having things in your life is like that is true i think the the big thing with that is uh even just being out in public for a bit sure yeah you know i mean it's hard to do now i guess to some extent but even just seeing other people around you um, I used to go to movies a lot because of this, because I didn't really feel that comfortable going to many social situations, but I could like go to a movie or go to like a food court at a rest, like a mall or something. And you just be like around people kind of thing. And uh, I think that's very, very healthy to some extent. It's like healing in a way. Mm-hmm. It, like, uh, it makes it so that you, you remember that you're not alone to some extent, you know, you're like, Oh, these are like you know, there's lots of people out here. There's lots of people around me kind of thing. Um, and that, I don't know, that is helpful to like think through because it, I don't know, it, it somehow resets your brain a bit. It's kind of like being outside with like sun and stuff. Like, uh, there's something very, very deeply biological there or something where 
just having people around sort of sometimes can help reset your sort of like because uh, because i mean you have to think yeah if it is if it is a self-talk thing to some extent then you're probably for most people i mean some people i can understand if they're in a terrible situation or something but like for most people uh you're making some sort of mistake in thinking that uh you know by focusing too much on your own problems or something like that so yeah yeah and th those sorts of feelings and thoughts can be weirdly like narcissistic and kind of yeah like it it feeds a certain part of your ego that uh you know it's sure. and you're doing it it's it's like not in a healthy way you know like it's okay with about like you know it, it's okay to feel like you are very important to yourself you know obviously like you don't want to uh, yeah. downplay that but you can overdo it and then you end up with issues like this sometimes sure yeah, uh, that's where the psychoanalytic thing, enjoy your symptom, kind of comes from where... Oh, yeah? Uh, it's, uh, you know, you you're, you get like a certain type of joy or something out of returning to these same problems again and again and like having the same thoughts. Uh, it's weird. It's like, because uh, the way that the brain works, I think it doesn't really distinguish to some extent and like, especially if you're not healthy between the different types of signals kind of thing in a way that like something that causes you pain can cause you a certain type of enjoyment um in a way that like or relief or something you know like crying uh yeah. and that's interesting because uh i mean it, it, it helps explain why people have problems with like say like cutting or other types of like self-harm kind of stuff it's because uh they they can manage the pain themselves in a way uh and I, I think you know you can you can you can use that psychoanalytic terms or just like kind of mainstream psychology to explain the same thing but like yeah i think that's very true where people they get addicted to a certain type of symptom kind of thing they get addicted to or like not addicted but like compulsed kind of thing to return to the same types of problems again and again and you know part of Part of, I think, getting better to some extent is just recognizing that. It doesn't even have to be a matter of fixing it kind of thing a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. It's more like just recognizing that that's what you're doing. You know, you're getting yourself into trouble again sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of the Nirvana lyric, I miss the comfort of being sad. You remember that one? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So. Yep. I mean, it, we, we've got very, very strange brains. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah is it okay if somebody is gay transgender non-binary if they don't make a big fuss about it i don't think god makes mistakes in how we want to express ourselves but also doesn't want us to be narcissists um i guess this is like asking from a religious perspective uh yeah so like the islamic view on this is that it, the act is what is prohibited not the there's no identity like there's no there's no concept of like a gay identity or any or you know any of these things in islam although there are there are concepts of like um in between sort of a like like it's always going to be there's male and female but then there's a, an acknowledgement of like some people who it's not easy to just to tell which one they're supposed to be or which one they are you know so some people mm -hmm. are kind of in between and, and um, there's ways of kind of that that's been dealt with and uh 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This person seems to have a kind of like the right idea, I think, in that m- making like a big public show about it, if you're trying to stick to these like traditional ideas about this stuff is probably the best way to go about it. Um, and, and I don't think, I don't think God would punish you for having the, like the, uh, the characteristics that we would identify as being gay or transgender or anything like that. That's not something I've ever seen in any of the, the text or whatever that I've read about this kind of stuff or any of like the reputable scholars that I've heard talk about this sort of stuff. They've always kind of said like, there are certain things that are haram to, to, uh, to do, but no one is like punished for being something, you know, God makes you a certain way and he tests you in different ways. And, uh, it's, it's not a, it's not like you are just born as like a damned kind of a person. That's, that's definitely not part of uh, the Islamic perspective on that. Um, yeah. 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 And the, and the Catholic thing, I, I feel like I don't know a lot about the sort of theology of this kind of stuff on this side. So I, I don't really feel like confident talking about it a lot of the time, but like, uh, you know, I do think there is some sort of, there's some sort of sort of jumble there in the ideology or like in the you know theology of Catholicism. There's some, there's some problem there in the way things, at least things have been uh, portrayed or, or promoted throughout the church and stuff where, um, so like the, the basic idea is that it's supposed to be, is that, uh, there's something fundamentally disordered about, uh, gay sex and things like that, because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's like disconnected from procreation and marriage and all that kind of stuff. Right. And there's very, very specific, uh, detailed opinions on all this kind of stuff that are considered very important to a lot of the bishops and all that kind of stuff, like in terms of their, their thinking and this kind of stuff. Right. So, um, I, I, so the thing is I can kind of wrap my mind around like the, the reasons for that. But, uh, the thing is that at a certain point, the way that it ends up coming across is like almost concern trolling kind of thing, you know, like it's like, it's, uh, because in theory, if you're saying the same things, you're also supposed to be against, equally against, you know, or even, you know, whatever, uh, against like contraception and stuff, right? Or like mm-hmm. um, certain things to do with premarital sex and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, isn't that like, the church's position on that stuff? That's what I mean is that like uh, in like theory and ideology and stuff, it's supposed to be have some sort of equivalence to it. Now, it's supposed to be different, I think, to some extent because one at least has some indirect connection to theoretically down the line or whatever like procreation all that kind of stuff family unit and stuff one is just sex for its own sake kind of thing in theory but like uh the the difference is that like it it has gotten wrapped up in evangelical culture or also just like sort of bigoted culture in a lot of ways where it's it's turned into a club kind of thing to attack gay communities when the mainstream of the Catholic Church in many other respects are just not following the rules when it comes to straight relationships too. You know what I mean? Like it becomes yeah. becomes kind of a way of focusing anger at one community when it's like, well, yeah, but either like either the the entire society is basically off the rails on this kind of stuff, right? And you're only focusing the anger at like one section of that 
or like uh, something is wrong with the way that you're thinking through these problems. And we talked about this on the Giorgio Agamben episode in a way is that the problem is what the question of sainthood again, that's the thing. Like that's what it comes back to is like, it's not a question of what's good for the average person day to day living a normal life or something like that in our society or something like that. Like that's not really supposed to be the, what you're supposed to put in a moral textbook or something. What you're supposed to put in the textbook is what's the ideal thing that you should do if you were living the religion hundred percent of the way, all the way down kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And in that case, it's very hard to look at the Catholic tradition and point to at least how it's being inherited. It's hard to look at that and then say, okay, well, we are going to radically change all our opinions on sex because of, you know, we got it wrong or something like that. Sure. Uh, even just yeah. for, even just for institutional reasons, whatever, like put those aside, just, just the theological thing. If you're saying uh, we need to kind of rethink things because people aren't following the rules, it's kind of like, well, yeah, but weren't the rules from God kind of things, you know, like, isn't that supposed to be pretty fixed kind of thing? And uh, yeah, um, I think, I think there is, has been a bit of accommodation under Francis and like some sort of pivot on that a bit from some priests where it's like, you know, like Francis came out in favor of, you know, for same sex couples, like civil contracts and stuff like that for marriage, like not, not like, uh, not like not having marriage in a church, but like still having like, you know, allowing some sort of, uh, civil union guarantee for things. But the problem with that ideologically is that it's uh, it's an analogy and not the substance of it, right? Like it's not he's saying that you know these families are basically almost a emulation of straight families, and therefore they should have some sort of recognition or something, um, which is not really the same thing as saying they are equivalent, right? So that is a problem, I think, that a lot of LGBT uh, Catholics have with that kind of thing is like, you know, it doesn't really fit the thing. Now, that is that the history of this kind of stuff is really important to me in a lot of ways, but like also because uh, there were a lot of people, I think, that have had serious problems with the church in different ways throughout their lives that basically leave for either nothing or for like the Episcopalian church or the equivalent because uh, other churches have been a lot better in terms of uh, on these issues, I think. So, um, yeah, so it's like, you know, it's also a matter of just being able to keep people feeling like they're at home there. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky subject with Muslims, at least from my perspective, because I find myself having, whoever I'm talking to, there's going to be some kind of, like if I'm talking to someone who has like, a non-Muslim who has like progressive kind of ideas or just, I mean, they're not even progressive anymore. They're kind of just like the mainstream sort of ideas about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I find myself kind of in a defense defensive position where they sort of have this idea that Muslims are like virulently anti this and anti that in a way that is like necessarily like homophobic and just like bigoted and all that kind of stuff. And then you know, I'm talking to Muslims who have, you know, like the traditional kind of orthodox view on this stuff. And, um, you know, they, they will perhaps have those kind of bigoted views or it'll have they'll kind of be motivated by a kind of bigotry, even if they're not necessarily taking like explicitly like a bigoted position necessarily. Like they might say 
the kind of things that you can get away with saying where you're just sort of saying like, well, this is the traditional thing. We're not going to change it. And I, you know, I agree with that. Like, I don't think you should just be changing stuff because people outside of the religion have changed their minds about something in the past 50 years. Like, I, I don't know if the religion should just change for that reason. But at the same time, I think that you have to reckon with the fact that like the, the way that people view this stuff now, it, it's not, uh, it's probably not great on either side. Like, I, I don't think that people who are trying to bully religious groups into changing their ideas about stuff are doing, are, are motivated by, oh, just they're, you know, they're just so righteous and they just want justice for everybody. Like, it seems like there's a, there's bigotry at play there as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, people who are trying to defend the traditional view or like at least the right of a religious group to define its own kind of terms and stuff and on how to deal with this. It seems like that can sometimes be an excuse to get away with bigotry and, uh, you know, persecution and even like violence and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I find it a, a very difficult conversation to have no matter who I'm talking with. Um, I, I know last time we, this came up and we made a clip about it, there was uh, a lot of, a lot of YouTube comments on it that were not happy with it. So, um, oh really? I, I can't remember that. Was it? What, they what were the, yeah, they weren't posted immediately. But I was I was uh, looking at the YouTube channel the other day and uh, poking around the analytics and stuff and noticed that that one had a bunch of comments on it. So it must have gotten shared somewhere or something. And yeah, there were a lot of people with like Muslim kind of usernames and stuff that were telling us to go find a hobby was one comment that I thought was funny. Cause I was like, well, that, <laughs> okay. that's kind of what this is, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in the end, I, I kind of feel like basically I, I don't have super strong opinions about this, but I do think like if you're not Muslim or whatever, you need to kind of back off and let Muslims sort of handle their own business. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, it, it's, it's just, people have this kind of a weird idea about the, like they think everybody's like two steps away from ISIS and like rooftop kind of, yeah, the rooftop <laughs> method of dealing with these problems. So, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, if, if you actually want to see things kind of improve in a, a real way, you kind of have to let the religious group deal with it. You know, you can't, sure. you can't bully them. Um, but on the other hand, like if you are part of a religious group, uh, you sort of have to reckon with the fact that like, even if it's not an ideal situation, like maybe you, you really do have this idea that like, this is just like a perverted idea and it needs to go away. Um, you have to reckon with history and stuff. Like I, I find it kind of funny that in, if you look back through history and a lot of people are very well aware of this, but there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on here where you can understand that in the Muslim world, there's been a lot of poetry and art and just discourse around like homoerotic stuff where like men are expressing admiration in a very sexualized or romantic way for other men or for, for boys or whatever. And it was just sort of like a, it was very common. I'm not going to say it was like acceptable in, in the, especially in like religious terms, but it was certainly was like tolerated far beyond like what some people would have you believe you know and um i'm not saying that that means that that's what the religion actually taught or something like that but uh mm-hmm. 
I don't know what, you know, we have to kind of reckon with what does that actually mean? And maybe we place so much emphasis on it because it kind of takes the, as a role in this like clash of civilizations narrative. And I, I think that whole thing is, is really poisonous for, for both sides. So, uh, you know, I, I'd rather kind of, kind of downplay this whole thing more than, uh, mm-hmm. more than anything else. Sure. Yeah. So basically like, you know, leave, leave people alone if they kind of, if they are gay or, or trans or whatever, like, you know, it, it is what it is. The world is how it is. Muslims and Catholics or whatever, like don't determine the social norms these days. It's other kind of things that, that do. So some people that have certain, uh, you know, inclinations or, or whatever are going to find an identity that kind of fits them. That is not something that we would maybe come up with ourselves, but that doesn't necessarily, there's no, you don't need to have like these hyper negative feelings about it. You can just kind of, you know, I don't know. There's, there's a lot worse things going on in the world than to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is a weird question. Why do people allude to murder in casual conversation? I.e. I'm going to kill this guy. He's so annoying, etc. But not rape. Murder is technically way worse than petty rape. (laughs) (laughs) I like this phrase, petty rape. That's funny. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Good point. I think we should all start saying, I'm going to rape this guy. He's so annoying a lot more. I think that would be just shake things up a little bit. You know, try that shoe on for a little bit. See how it feels. Yeah. We're going to get canceled again. Like they'll, they'll take down her thing i don't know um yeah i don't know uh i think that uh it is interesting how certain things i was looking at like uh old tweets uh by people where 10 years ago or something like that they said something and uh they they using the a lot of like uh celebrities and stuff uh said a lot of things that they probably shouldn't have um, <laughs> all those celebs and uh, <laughs> and, uh you can find them usually by doing filter colon verified and then uh, um, and then look for the word. And then uh, you can put like, you know, to put time limits on it and stuff like that too to find ones before uh, before 2012 or something like that usually because that's when the, the heyday of this stuff is. So yeah. And uh, you can sift through the tweets and uh, find a lot of uh, brands being like uh, i don't know like blockbuster being like are you feeling retarded this weekend or something you know all <laughs> different great things like that and uh um yeah and if you feel like it, you can uh, get them fired from their current jobs by doing that so yeah so i think that if you look up a lot of i think a lot of rape jokes are out there and uh, you can find which ones are now current snl stars in that and have fun babies Cute or secretly evil? Hmm. Uh, I uh, I'll have a, I got a baby take. I guess I, I I don't find them cute actually until they are a little bit like a like a a fresh newborn is not cute to me. It looks strange, but it's mm-hmm. uh like it's a beautiful thing, but it, they are not like like once they're like a year old or something, they kind of have that like the cuteness of like a a little kid, you know, they kind of like have like some facial expression and stuff like that. I guess like a, a newborn baby looks like some kind of, 
it still looks like fetal. You know what I mean? Like it, it has a, yeah. a strange quality to it that I, I don't think I view them as like cute. Uh, secretly evil is, uh, no, no, not secretly evil. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that, is that a weird impression of babies and newborns and stuff? Um, no, I think that, I think that's a, yeah, that, that, that makes sense to me. It's like they're, they're somehow little mutants kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you have to be, uh, aware that they might be somehow demonic and uh yeah you have to be kind of careful around them uh, <laughs> I, um, I just have the I impression that they're like really wrinkly and pruny like they've been in the tub so i kind of have this idea that they've been in a in the womb for nine months you know so it's like they've been in the bathtub for nine months and they come out and they're all wrinkly yeah maybe that's getting a little weird mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> yeah um yeah, I don't know. One of our mutual friends just had a baby the other day, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, good for him. You know who you are. Congrats. <laughs> I'll just say, tiny tuna yeah. happened. How about that? Tiny tuna happened. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's let's wrap it up on that note. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like to hear a second episode of You Can't Win Every Week, you can subscribe to our Patreon, and you'll get that as well as access to our Discord. And if you'd like to send us questions, you can check out our Twitter at You Can't Win Pod and send questions to the Curious Cat. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye.